0: Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of
1: the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood
2: on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hi, everybody. I'm Denise Hanitka, and this is a brand new episode of On a Mother Level, episode 84. And we continue our conversations with dads in honor of Father's Day. We'll get to our guest in just a moment, but first I want to talk to you about a little something I signed up this week for a little goal reset with Mariah from Wander Design Co. She was on this podcast as episode 64. That episode was called Hype Girl because part of her graphic design business is why discovery and helping you define your goals as a business owner so that you can tap into that visually through your branding. And so she was advertising a little goal reset on her Instagram and she was going to send some daily email prompts talking about how to redefine the next six months of 2021. Um, so, you know, looking at the next half of the year, I know I can't be the only one out there who feels a little distant from their goals, perhaps unclear about how those goals kind of fit into your day to day. So in her first question that she emailed out on Monday, she said to take 20 minutes and write down what you look like a year from now. So I'm stealing from her email right now. She wrote, if you had a chance to meet up with you in the future, so the future you, a year from now, if you had to meet, if you had to meet up with this person at a coffee shop, what news would she have for you? What would she say? How would she be dressed? What would her hair look like? What does she look like? Does she have a glowing smile? A relaxed demeanor? Is she full of energy and excitement? Write down what she, the future you, has accomplished in the last year. What matters to her in that moment? What her big dreams are and what she would want you to know? Okay, so if you want to think about those things along with me, this is what I wrote down. It feels a little incomplete, but... This is where my mind was going this afternoon. So I wrote, When I see Denise at that coffee shop, she looks so relaxed. She's wearing the simplest outfit. It's kind of a slouchy pair of jeans, pure white tennis shoes. Hair is shiny and vibrant, but kind of in a messy little pony. And it's just all effortless. You know what feeling I'm trying to capture here, where you look put together, but not like you tried to do it? Effortless? She didn't spend two hours fretting about that outfit, and yet everything looks just right. She would say something funny right off the bat, probably something sarcastic, a little self-deprecating. She orders an Americano and a brownie. That will never change. But overall, her vibe and her aura is content, light. In the past year, she'll tell you that she's been putting out her weekly podcasts, and each one is more and more a reflection of her. She shares her life with ease, without fear, without the dread of a negative email or a comment, without a care about who clicks on it, who listens to five minutes and turns it off. That doesn't matter because the content is uniquely her. No one else. And because it's so unique and personal, it just resonates. Thinking about myself a year from now makes me realize that right now what I'm feeling is Heaviness, Like the heaviness of being weighed down by other people's expectations. The heaviness of what my ideas are and whether or not those are okay to anyone. And I'm trying to figure out why. Like why do I feel so heavy? And it's like... The last year is just heaviness. I'm not, I haven't shaken that off yet. I feel overwhelmed by the very loud voices out there who are telling everyone, these people are good, these people are bad, these opinions are good, these are the right ones, these are the bad ones, these are the bad people, these are the bad people who do the bad things and think the wrong things. It feels so heavy that those voices are out there all the time. And it's like those are coming from social media. It's like I click on Instagram 75 different times during the day, and every time you click off of it, because you're like, ugh, now I feel worse. And yet I feel like so chained to social media, because it's like the only touchstone that I have to you, my listeners, um, and yet it's not serving me in the way that, that I need to be served. I need to, you know, use it to share my podcast with you, but I also feel like all I do is, you know, see these comparisons and and ask questions based on what I see. Why does that girl look so happy and effortless? Why why does she belong in that place and I don't? Does everyone walk around feeling like an imposter all the time, or is that just me? It's just heavy. All of that is heavy on me right now. So, to answer Mariah's question. In that first prompt, the next six months will be about looking for the light. What makes me feel light? What lights me up inside? And what will bring more ease to my day? And I was thinking about all of that because my guest today is a guy named Jarek Bakken. And Jarek is the husband of Jill Bakken. And she was recently on the podcast... So Jill Bakken was episode 79, Clean Beauty, and she was talking about her four kids and her desire to choose better products for them and their skin And to create a more non-toxic environment around her. And it was a very well-received episode. You guys really, really liked it. Um, You enjoyed the conversation. And so when I was thinking about what dads I wanted to talk to, she suggested her husband. Because he is also a fellow podcast host. He is also a gym owner in the Quad Cities. And it was such a cool conversation that we had. Because he talked a lot about defining his own principles. And following those Because they're his, you know, I don't think anyone listens to somebody else and, you know, really judges what they're saying when they're so convicted in how they say it. So he talks about the principles that guide his business and how the pandemic has caused his family to think about the principles that define their family and what they're trying to do so I was really very inspired by what he had to say. And he talked about his new role in the family as the tone setter. His job in the morning is to get up and set the tone. And when you hear about how their mornings go, you're going to see why. That is such a cool concept. And how you find a way for life to start working for you as opposed to you trying to fit your life into the structure that you're apparently supposed to have. So... Jarek Bakken is my guest today on a mother level. I will give you ways to contact him and reach out with him and his business and his podcast at the end of the episode. But for now, you can connect with the show at on a mother level on Instagram. I know I said Instagram is horrible and it is sort of horrible and Facebook's even worse. Um, but that's how we're going to connect. So let's um, let's stick with it for now. And um, share your thoughts with me. If you're doing Mariah's goal setting or if you want to contact her about goal setting, here's how to reach her. So she's on Instagram as well. Wander Design Co. is how you can find Mariah and join her goal setting program. And so maybe at the end of the week when I finished all of her prompts, I will share what my goals are for the year. But I haven't gotten there just yet. So anywho, this is episode 84 of On a Mother Level. And we begin with our guest, Jarek Bakken. May I say, you have a wonderful broadcasting voice. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever heard that before?
1: Um, I've heard so many things about my voice, and they're not always positive.
2: Really? I'm so surprised to hear that. Really? Yes.
1: Um, yeah, no. So I do, I mean, obviously do. Uh, couple different podcasts I do a lot of work with the green dealerships and I'm on their ads for everything um and so my face and my voice are all over the place and man maybe it's maybe it's just that the the negative people are the loud ones Um,
2: Maybe, yeah I'm so surprised you would get any negativity about your voice and now I'm gonna have to listen for you on the green
1: (laughs) commercials yep yep
2: Okay. So tell me about your different podcasts. I know about restoring human, but there are others.
1: Um, yeah. So restoring humans, the one that, um, I started a handful of years ago with my good friend and now business partner, um, Dr. Alex Arguello. Um, but more recently we've been doing one at the, at the gym here. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're all similar topics and stuff, but yeah. yeah, So those are, those are the, the two. Yeah. Big ones
2: tell me what you like about podcasting.
1: So I am a, I'm a consumer first. I am a podcast consumer. Me
2: too. Through and through. I love them.
1: And I love the amount of depth that the long form um, allows for. So here, here's another thing you should know about me. I am not a reader. I am not, have never been good at reading. <laughs> um, and so it, it's like, that's probably the most popular means of long form, you know, content digestion and learning things and whatnot. Um and I've never never been able to to do it. Um but ever since I got into podcasting, it's like in and I'm gonna throw like audiobooks in the same genre. Um it allows me to really dive way deeper on a lot of topics and whatnot. And yeah. So in the same sense, it allows me to put out uh, a depth of content. Yeah. In a way that other mediums just don't necessarily allow for.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I was a consumer first love podcasts. I have a huge lineup of them. I listen to them mostly to drown out the voices in my head.
1: Whenever I'm doing something that requires my body but not my mind right so like doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or something you know it's like or dry like in the car always you know that's that's my that's my favorite
2: i think i'm also drawn to the podcasting for a similar reason as you because in television everything is in short snippets you know sure. we work on 30 seconds projects so when you live life um on deadline and you keep things to i mean a minute 30 is like who do you think you are taking that amount of time you know sure. so to have this hour that's all mine and i can express more of myself and the things i believe in it's 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 the exact opposite of what i do even though it's in the same medium
1: yeah right and it, it's it's unfortunate how much we're shaped by that that's mentality, that culture, especially with the friggin' feed, right? It's like, if it's not attention grabbing in the first seven seconds, you know, pe- people are on and by. And then once you're on to something you're right, it's, it's like you, you can only, ca- it's all about attention, right? You can only capture attention for a certain amount of time. And it's, um, it, it doesn't lend itself to certain depth and nuance that I think are really, really important. Um, yeah, that, that I think podcasting definitely captures the ability to have conversation with another human being.
2: Well, tell me, have you experienced the same problem? I thought pandemic living would make people dive harder into podcasting, and I actually find that my viewers drifted away a little bit, really? Um, just because their routine was so disrupted, I speak to moms in their car.
1: Okay, yep. You no. Know?
2: Yep. And so when moms <laughs> stopped driving their cars, they stop having that hour to themselves.
1: Yeah, right away at home. Granted, it didn't have the time in the car, but might have had more time like, oh, let's fart around with this thing. And this is a great time to listen to something. But yeah, the, the regular cadence of the, the daily commute, I definitely know what you're talking about. But on the other hand knowing that, okay, what I really appreciate about the podcasting is the depth and the connection that can actually happen. It's like, lo and behold, you find yourself with your family or whoever it is. And it's like, Hey, those things can happen in, in the real life as well. So,
2: so you listened obviously to Jill when she was on the podcast, a couple of years ago, did you learn anything new about your wife in that hour?
1: Um, I don't, (laughs) I don't know that I learned. Okay, actually, no. I okay. I maybe no. I didn't learn anything. I was reminded of certain things, as well as just like it's good to see her in her element like that because it's like most of the time when she's talking about her business stuff or whatever, it's like she's off doing that on her own, and I've got the kids so she can do that, you know. And so to be able to sit and listen to her just yeah, just be confident and competent in what she's talking about. I was like, that was great. Yeah. Um, The one point that I was, didn't learn something, but which I was surprised by because it hasn't been a current conversation was the conversation about having kids and more kids. Okay. She's done having babies, but the, the topic of like, Hey, we would certainly not be opposed to, you know, like having more kids in different means certainly have talked about that, but because it hasn't been a, like a recent conversation, it was just like, Oh wow. I didn't even realize that would like be in her mind to say something like that.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So did you have a conversation about
1: that? Uh, no, it was just kind of like, Oh yeah, she's totally right. And it's just like, it's not something that has been even close to top of mind for me just because it's been like, Hey, like we're, we Hands are full right now. Don't even need to be thinking about a dog, let alone another kid. <laughs>
2: right, right. Okay, so remind the listeners about your family. Obviously, people, you know, might have caught Jill's episode, but so you have four kids. Tell me about the breakdown.
1: Jovi, Asher, Everly, Augie. We've got she'll be eight in a couple weeks here. Um, Asher is six, Everly is four, and Augie is one and a half, 18 yeah. months. I, I don't know what's appropriate for when you stop counting a kid in months and start counting them in years.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it goes from 18 months to almost two.
1: Right, right. You know?
2: you. Oh, yeah. We do a lot of the... Um, Oh, he'll be two in January. You sure. know what I mean? Where you make people do birthday math that they're not actually interested in doing, but at least you're not saying they're 22 months old because then people right. hate you even more.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's <laughs> December. So we're like right in the middle of there.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So we got father's day coming up. I'm not sure when this episode will be published, but it'll be in the neighborhood of father's day. Sure. What do dads really want for father's day?
1: Gosh, I don't know, man. What do dads really want for Father's Day? You know, here's the thing, and I'm I'm shooting myself in the foot here. It's like most of the time when I need something like a gift or something, it's like I'm just, I'm just gonna figure out how to get it right.
2: Of course, like,
1: I'm I'm just gonna. And
2: moms are like that too. You know, we always say we're not, but we do go and buy the thing that we want.
1: I think this was along the lines of the thing my wife said. It's like ever I think everybody always wants some type of recognition and acknowledgement like like deep down that's probably what people are feeling Um, but man just just a day to enjoy the family you know as i'm thinking of what we did on mother's day and it's like i know that hey if we can come together me and the kids to do the thing and not complain about it. Like that's a huge win. That's a success, right? Enjoying life as a family together in a, yeah. in a happy, joyful way. Like I would love that. That's, that's great. That's a huge win.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's a very nice podcast answer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to spend time with my family.
1: It's, but it's like, okay, <laughs> actually, I'll tell you what. I bet you I could find like, Oh, yeah. Perfect. Right here. Right here. Look at this.
2: Oh, what is it?
1: Stuff like this.
2: Oh, uh, right. Yes.
1: Stuff like this.
2: Oh, that. Joby and Dad. Right.
1: Right. This stuff is cute. This yeah, stuff.
2: I do love that stuff.
1: <laughs> so, so cute that I knew it was sitting right here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I do love that stuff. I won't necessarily promise that I'll keep it forever. Yeah. Do you know how many things they can make out of the kids' handprint nowadays? For sure. Unreal. This Unreal, but I love like, them.
1: Of, of the 500 of these things that I've gotten, this is the one that I've saved. It's like, oh, yeah. right. it's just like this is the one. <laughs>
2: well, no, I think I would have saved that one, too. The little holding of the hands, that's pretty cute. That was good. <laughs> no, my husband and I remarked this weekend. So we have two boys and I think this was a rare weekend in the sense that our boys weren't Fighting the whole time and they're only four yeah. and two and mm-hmm. they can really squabble Played the best that they've ever played together i think this weekend and it was like a milestone moment because they have been at each other's throats these little i mean t- just the fact that these little two-year-olds can fight back the way that they can fight oh yeah what was my mind
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I it, it's like teach a kid how to be selfish it's like no they they got that they got
2: that <laughs> yeah yeah so what's what's the dynamic like with four? Are there usually two defined teams? to three gang up on one? How do how do they torture each other?
1: So the age gap that we've got right now kind of lends itself to certain things. So Augie is there's there's almost there's a three year gap between him and Everly. The other three have about eighteen months or so in between. Okay. So they're four to eight. So they like my, my two daughters, so four-year-old daughter, eight-year-old daughter, um, the past couple of weeks, they've been able to like, you know, they make bracelets together. And so there's certain activities that only lend themselves to the older three versus the baby. But man, I don't.
2: It just kind of depends on the day. All it.
1: It's all of it, right? It, it's like, there's, 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 there's no off limits, right? There could be one. And I, I think more than anything, we probably get like my oldest, you know, thinks that she's got some authority or superiority over the other ones, you know, thinks that she can tell them what to do or knows what's going on and that type of stuff. Like that. that, If there's any theme, the birth order stereotypes, like, yeah, yeah. we can certainly see a lot of those.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think those are for real. Did you see them in your own family life growing up?
1: No, what's interesting is, so I, I have one sibling, I have one older brother, it was always the joke that like I kind of developed all these like older brother tendencies. Um, And there's this great story that I'll never live down. Uh, (laughs) My brother and I used to, you know, go to grandma's house for the weekend or whatever. I'm pretty sure it was at grandma's house, you know, packing up our things and it's like, Hey, it's time to go. And (laughs) My grandma asks my brother, like Keegan, his name's Keegan. Do you have your Do you have your stuff packed up and ready to go? And he looks to me and goes, I don't know, Jerk. Did you do that? <laughs> right. So that is, uh, I certainly kind of took on that type of uh, personality and, and role. Just I don't know, being concerned with things and.
2: Yeah. Or were you just his slave?
1: <laughs> uh, no, I don't, think so. I don't think so. At least I, I don't have any memory of that. I think, I think it was more of he he saw me naturally taking to certain responsibilities. Yeah. And let me let me go at it with within my strengths.
2: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm one of four and I'm number two oldest and mm-hmm. I'm a middle child through and through. Sure. Bitter like a middle child. <laughs> um, I'm attention starved like a middle child and I'm yeah. angry about it as a middle child. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. This morning, I, so our, our, so obviously we technically have two middle children, but right. again, because of the age gap, our, our third has some of the youngest tendencies because she had three years of that in our middle. I was helping him with breakfast this morning and I was making him a smoothie and it was like, I had a scoop of almond butter and put it in the smoothie. Okay. And because I had that out, the youngest is like, Oh, can I have a scoop of that? Great. Sure. So I handed the one kid the spoon that I had scooped his and put it in the smoothie and he was, you know, licking that off. And so I get another spoon and I spoon that out and give her a full spoon of it. And he's like looking at her thinking like, you got a whole scoop of this stuff. I'm like, bro, I literally just put yours in here. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's not equality. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 We see that. We see that stuff all the time.
2: So tell me a little bit about your business, New City Fitness.
1: I started kind of like on the tails of a former training situation at a different gym. And it was like in the middle of, so summer of 2019, we like had a location and had, I had, you know, clients I was training at a different place. Like, Hey, we're training here now, but real, like real quiet. Hey, we're just kind of like taking what was happening here and doing it in a new place that started in June or July, July of 2019. And so by basically spring of 2020, we were like to the point where it was like, all right, we've kind of got this rolling good. Let's like, let's start essentially like open for real type of thing. And I have this video that I put out. Um, I believe it was like in, in the March teens of 2020 saying like, hey, we're gonna like host this big event at the end of the month. The next day, it's like the world shuts down.
2: Unreal.
1: Yeah. So uh, great time to start a business that, um, you know, is is literally entirely getting people together in a room together. Right, <laughs> um, right. The, the, the whole, like, first really year, year and a half was just weird. Now, at this point, just a couple months ago, we moved to a different facility here in Davenport. And it was finally like, okay stuff's starting to get back to normal. Um, we've got this new facility. Let's kind of just like redo this whole thing. We're just kind of like a a new grand opening event. Hey, yeah. The, the first, the first year and a half, almost two years now has been very, very, very strange with being shut down and all of that stuff. So,
2: well, yeah. Take me back to your mindset back then, because, you know, it's like when you put yourself out there and you you take a risk and something like that happens, your brain's got to be going, oh, crap. What if this wasn't meant to be? What if this is not what I'm supposed to be doing? Sure. Because the world is literally telling me you can't do this thing anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have the it's, some people might call it luxury. Some people might call it something that holds me back. I have my hand in many different things, (laughs) Uh, video, photography, marketing realm. And so like all my income is coming from there, right? So it's like, I'm not not dependent upon the gym for that. Last year, in that sense, it was a huge blessing to not have this extra weight of needing to have this thing that the government's telling me you can't do the thing to be Mm -hmm. able to be sustained. Um, So that was actually nice. What that has also allowed us to do is um, really hold strong to certain convictions of how we do certain things, and not feel like we, you know, you gotta pay the bills, so we gotta do whatever it takes. Um, so that's certainly been a theme um, that we've stuck to. You know, because of that, we've we've got a. You know a solid group of people that it's like we're, we're not a huge gym by any means um but like because of the depth that we're providing i think yeah. that, um helps us out significantly
2: yeah can you go into that a little more so you're saying like these these principles that you don't have to change just to make a buck
1: just look at your general popular gym culture type of stuff right there's oh I've, yeah got a, a building right down the street from us right now with big purple and gold letters that it's like 10 bucks a month come and get it right that literally is a business model built off of people not coming like that's the reality of that business model yeah i heard a little like case study done on it but I believe it was the the manhattan planet fitness has like something like 3000 members and their building can hold like 300 people. (laughs) Oh, wow. The the business model is built upon people paying for this thing. And like the amenities are great, right? But like nobody uses them. Like let's, let's give somebody a, a, give the perception of a great deal so that we can collect money from these people and then like, just, just disappear. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Don't,
1: don't, don't bother them. Just let that small little thing just keep getting charged every month, and it's like that's you know this little microcosm of what I think a lot of a lot of what happens in health and fitness. There's lots of gimmicks. There's lots of stuff that's just like okay, really, really loud, but quite frankly ineffective. We view the gym as kind of this um, catalyst towards. Uh, really much bigger and broader um, understanding of what healthy life looks like, uh, because that's kind of exactly what happened for me. I got invited to come work out in my buddy's garage and it was like, great. Yeah, I need to do this and, you know, working out is going to be good for me. I had a, you know, I grew up playing sports and stuff and was in the weight room. And it's like, I'm not unfamiliar with any of this stuff, but just hadn't, found a good rhythm of doing that after high school and whatnot. So it's like, cool, I need to do this thing. But then again, it really was a catalyst to not only taking control of this small area of getting movement into my life. Um, but really revolutionizing how I understand the human body and how it interacts with life in all aspects. Um, To the point that I realized, holy cow, Like this is a big deal. There's a lot of bad crap happening and a lot of negative outcomes associated with health that um, have really become normal. And a lot of the solutions can be provided in these simple ways of, hey, if we change – how we live life, if we change kind of what's normal, don't accept the things that are normal, that are leading to skyrocketing disease rates, skyrocketing medical costs, Um, if if we simply don't accept those things as normal, if we can actually look and see, hey, these practices are actually exactly what produces these negative outcomes, if we cannot accept those things and actually gain a better picture of what a life would look like that produces health, we can really create a lot of change in in some pretty pretty s- simple ways. Yeah, um, give me an example. Sure. So so our I've got a little poster over here. We call them our principles of health. The the first one under our nutrition category because food is probably the biggest like lever we have to pull in most people's situations. Our first principle is simply eating. Real food. The human body needs to eat real food most of the time in order to survive and thrive. So, real food, w- what is that, right? If we look at, hey, do you eat most of your meals from a package or a restaurant, right? Most of those foods are going to be processed in a way that ends up producing a food that is not beneficial for your body. Right. So, okay, if we start with before looking at macronutrients and before looking at all of this other stuff like getting off into the weeds, counting your calories and everything, if we stop
2: the stuff that makes people not want to keep going because it seems right. complicated.
1: Right. And it's like there's important things to know there, but principle number 1 is none of that stuff matters if like we're still eating things that are highly refined and processed and made to be able to sit on a shelf forever and be super convenient and all of this stuff. We start with a real food, right? It identified that hey, it's actually not normal to uh, like be eating all of this stuff, and it's not it's not normal for food to be able to like last as long as it does there's something else happening there in between right. that's that's causing that to happen uh yeah we i could i could talk on and on and on and, on. <laughs> and that's only the first one right so we've got we've got 15 principles of health that it's kind of like we just have broken things down into digestible categories to understand that hey the things that produce health are actually really normal everyday life type of things, you know, yeah. we need healthy relationships in order to survive and thrive. Okay. What, what does that look like? What is normal behavior of spending all of our time here, sitting on your couch, not talking to anybody, being best friends with your Netflix account? Like those are behaviors that are going to lead to unhealthy relationships, right? Versus, hey, do you have friends? Period. You know, do you have people that you can talk to? Are you, are you friends with the people that, you know, live in your house with you? Do you communicate, right? right? These really simple things that we can look at and say like, Hey, this, there's like low hanging fruit here that we can create some big change by doing these types of things, practicing these types of behaviors and yeah, kind of working against what's accepted as really normal.
2: Right. Well, here's the thing you hit on two really important things and two things that we were absolutely deprived of in the past year. And I realize that we're coming out of it now and life is looking a lot better. But the first thing we did is that we told people to stay home and to support their local restaurants. We told people that that was good for the economy and we told people we needed to help keep businesses going. And I'm not going to say that that's a bad thing. However, we also told them to stop going to the gym. Because it was unhealthy to go to the gym. And then we also told people to isolate themselves. And so you're talking about these pillars that for a year we were deprived of. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we are quite aware of the damage that that caused.
1: Yes, and amen. We don't even have to talk about the inner workings of COVID at all to be able to look at what has happened and say, we believe that you need to have a, a philosophy of health and that that is what's going to help you make these smaller decisions about what you're going to then do and play out and apply. Yeah, just looking at those, those really simple things like, hey, eat out a bunch, right? Don't see other people. you know. Don't exercise, do these things. Even the way that people engage with their work. One, one of our principles is we need to have times of work and times of recreation, right? We need to work hard. We also need to rest well and recreate well. And like the, the way that people were engaging with their work, I have lots of friends who, you know, they got brought home. And all of a sudden, they feel like, man, I get paid to work for eight hours in a day. And I'm not putting in that type of rigorous work, right? Things are not meant to be this way. You know, while your boss may be saying, Hey, you're getting all this stuff done, like there's something different that's happening when you're sitting there at home and every 20 minutes you're distracted by a kid or a dog or a message or a video or a you know, whatever it might be. There's a lot of things that have been very unhealthy because of not COVID itself, but the response. I think the response has been, man, the the bigger threat.
2: No, and I don't want anyone screaming at the podcast right now and saying that, you know, this was really serious. Yes, I recognize. Scream,
1: Scream at me. It's not her. You know? <laughs> I'm saying it. Yeah. You
2: know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not downplaying the risks. I'm not downplaying, um, you know, the threat to people's health. And I'm not downplaying that there were reasons that all these things happened. What I'm simply saying is that coming out of it, sure. there are lessons to be learned, I think. Well, here's here's my pandemic experience. Completely out of left field, I decided to start going to um, a personal trainer. Sure. Great. At the end of 2019, and a bunch of my friends were doing it, and it just seemed like a, a, something different for me to try. I ended up falling in love with it, still doing it to this day. And so that was at the end of 2019. So by the time March 2020 came around, I am now fully hooked fully immersed and fully obsessed with this, like, let's see what my body can do. I'm actually seeing some results here and let's see what happens. So in that year, in this pandemic year, I lost close to 30 pounds. I actually know how to lift weights at the gym. Now I can walk up to a squat rack and not feel silly, but I think about where I would have been had I gone into the pandemic without that guiding light and that principle And I would be sitting here 30 pounds heavier, I assure you, you know, on top of where I had already started. And so for me, I'm just so grateful that I found something that I liked because the timing of it could not have been better for me. For sure.
1: For sure. I think if there's, you know, a silver lining and a, a good thing that has hopefully has and will continue to come out of this is people being more aware Of that, right there, said that they've gone through this experience that has affected them in a negative way. I mean, even even just to look at the thing as a whole and say, "Wow, people understand that there's these things called comorbidities. That hey, if you have these certain factors, you're at significantly greater risk of succumbing to this thing that has shut down the world. What are those things? By far and away. Lifestyle-related diseases, and so to be able to look at that and say, "Holy cow! Like I can actually do something about this. Let's make let's make this a bigger priority." But even yeah, just just what people have experienced of, I don't like sitting at home all day and being told I can't do anything in all this. Our we had a huge. Um, influx, like the first month that we were open after like full shutdown, whatever this would have been last summer, huge influx of people just wanting to get out and do something. Yeah, and It's like, I, I I, think that is happening. Um, and I hope that that continues. And I hope that we, um, obviously this isn't gonna like be forgotten about, but it's like, now we have this kind of artifact of what the past year and plus has been to be able to point to that people identify with and recognize and you know kind of have some skin in the game understanding hey i know what that feels like i don't want that like let's do something different mm-hmm.
2: okay so we've talked a lot on, on this podcast about the pandemic's demands on women and how it's literally pushed millions of women out of the workplace and there's sure. there's a new conversation about Women and mental health, and sure. and being able to do all of the things the way that we always do, and I wonder, do men feel left out of that conversation?
1: Yeah, boy. Um, and I, I
2: realize that's a sticky one.
1: No, I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> I've I've already stomped on the landmine with the COVID stuff, so let's let's get into something else kind <laughs> of Okay. So, looking at, I think, kind of where you started in how you know this past year has pushed a lot of women you know out of the workplace and into the home if we view that as a negative then what we're saying is you know a, a mom working at home is less than you know a mom in the workplace sure and i think that's that's probably one of the first places we can get in a lot of trouble it says where somebody's getting their value from their worth from and and quite frankly, the same thing can happen for the stay-at-home mom. If your identity rests on how well your house is put together and how well your children are obeying and all this stuff, it's like that's pretty fragile as well. Yeah. Ultimately, both of those things, the place you're placing your identity, um, yeah, when that when that boat gets rocked, people are going to feel insecure about those yeah. things.
2: Let me put it to you this way. So I think it's more about the idea of being forced out of the workplace. School has said you have to mm-hmm. I don't have school age children, so I can't even fathom the yeah. the immense pressure on families doing the remote yeah. learning and stuff. But yeah. you know, to say your daycare doesn't operate, your school has shut down, your move.
1: For us, I guess our experience was yep, stuff got shut down and like the kids got sent home it's like that that put extra stress and and especially put extra stress on my wife right who who was now bearing this burden of mom and teacher right but what we have experienced and and fast forward now my kids spent um the better part of this year in a full homeschooling environment and it's actually like where we're really leaning towards going yeah. for to coming year what it did for us was yes it applied some extra pressure and some extra load and in a way that yep we weren't we weren't necessarily in control of it but what we figured out is that hey this extra stress that it's putting on us is actually pushing us to figure out some things that probably weren't that great before this at minimum it's causing us to all spend more time together and so If that time is going to be spent arguing with each other and fighting and all this stuff, like this is really not going to be that enjoyable. So, figuring out how to work well together is extremely important. Yeah. And so, so much so that we've figured out that, wow, like this is, this actually is pushing us in some really good ways. Um, We kind of want to continue this and see how much more we can refine um, and kind of get a better handle on, even though it's come through, you know, means that haven't been so great. And yeah, if it was our choice, the kids never would have come out of school in the first place. Right. Um, But it's actually pushed us into a place that has been really, really good and really fruitful for us.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you reminded me of that because I forgot that Jill had mentioned that Yeah, that you were doing this, this homeschooling model and looking into continuing it.
1: The difference between needing to have structure for the entire day and have structure for how we're going to be training and educating our kids completely versus, hey, we've got the window of 7 a.m. until 8 a.m. when we need to have the kids up and get them off to school. It's like and, and then go on with the rest of the day. It's it has forced us to actually recenter and say, okay, no, what's really important here is our responsibility as parents to raise our children up and to educate them. And it's, it's pushed us into a position where we have to engage with that a lot more. And it's been really good for us to have to do that versus just, you know, sending them off to school. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's been, it's been, very good for us to you know be forced into dealing with these things that ultimately probably should have Done anyway now so much so that it's like we've seen the the benefit of it and it's like homeschooling's super tough, right? It, and right? I'm not I'm not saying this is an easy thing. That it's like oh great we found this great easy option. It's like no, there's these there's so much more work that needs to be done to be successful in doing this thing. But what we figured out is that actually like this is pushing us in a really good and really beneficial way that I think you know even if we do get to the point where you know we, we end up sending them back to any form of institutionalized schooling that like there's there's certain things that we're not going to get rid of we're not going to compromise on um, that we're going to figure out okay how do these things now work into this other schedule where we do drop the kids off and they are at school all day but like are still holding on to a lot of these elements of, of family life.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, and obviously everybody has their role in the family. Does then, do you feel then left out that all of this work is happening at home and you don't get to be a part of it in some ways?
1: So certainly not Um, (laughs) because a, a lot of it is, is like what, you know, I have changed instead of, instead of my role being like as efficient as possible, let's get, get dressed and get breakfast and all of this stuff. It's like, I kind of have a new role of kind of setting the, the tone for the day. Does it involve some of the same things? Yeah. They got to get up. They got to get dressed. They got to have breakfast. And it's like, yes, I'm still kind of helping those types of things. But the, the slower pace of like, hey, there's no necessarily deadline on this. The primary objective for me is now setting them up for success in the day. That changes things significantly if the primary objective is hey we have to accomplish these tasks before we get out the door and you know if we don't too bad we're going anyway that's a significantly different environment to be in than hey what we're trying to accomplish here in our morning is helping get you set up and ready to go ready to like listen to mom all day long. It's a different objective that I'm trying to accomplish with the kids in the morning.
2: Well, tell me that anybody wouldn't thrive under that morning sure. wake-up call. Like That morning sounds a lot more peaceful than sure. my kids' morning.
1: Right, you know? right. It's like not needing to get to the school building at a certain time. It's like that's one of the elements that is allowing us... Um, To do this right now so it's like can it be done while still having a deadline of hey we got to be at the place at 8 15 sure but it's like so often the the time restraint is going to trump whatever else is happening there and so it's that that's one of the things that you know if we do decide to end up going back to school it's like we're going to figure out how to maintain um this same environment of you know the morning even if we do have a certain, you know, time yeah. deadline on it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, from the adult perspective, for so for it was March, March until October, I was fully from home, broadcasting in the basement, the full yeah. thing. Um, and then from about November to oh, I guess I guess it was pretty maybe March again. I was working from home, but just going here. To the station to just broadcast only. And so I eliminated that whole like get out the door insanity. And it was like that had even a bigger impact on my day than working from home all day. Cause I did still have to go to work. I did still have to do the things, but I removed that hour of terribleness. And now here I am back doing it again. And I'm sorry if my boss is listening to this conversation, <laughs> but. But it's like, that's one thing I wish did not have to go back. And it did go back. And no one can tell me why it went back. It's sort of like a, just because this is what we do, you know, we, we go yep. to the office and this is what makes everybody really happy. But that's yeah. one thing that actually had a tangible impact on how my day started and how it ended.
1: And I, I experienced a lot of those, that same stuff, you know, for the, the couple of months that the gym was shut down, you know, I didn't have to coach at five o'clock in the morning. Which means, hey, I'm getting better sleep. Like I'm I'm able to, you know, get up and not have to set an alarm. A really important thing for me is okay, I can get up and have some time that I'm kind of in control of before the extra stresses of the day and the children come in. Whereas if I'm up at rigging 430 and going straight to the gym and then, you know, coaching class and coming back and like that's that's how I'm then re-entering into home life, that's significantly different than, okay, if I can at least just wake up 30 to 60 minutes before anybody else in the house is going to wake up, have control of of that time, kind of get my own spirit in order for the day before any of those stresses. It's like, this is a wildly different scenario that's being able to be set up here.
2: Where can people find you if they want to connect with you, either with your podcasts or your business or online? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so new city fitness, it's, it's real simple. It's new city dot fitness. That's the website. Check us out on Instagram. Same thing, new city dot fitness, the restoring humans. So, so new cities, obviously the local gym, um, the restoring human stuff, Alex and I have actually kind of resurfaced that a little bit recently with kind of a little bit different focus, trying to um, tackle, tackle some of these like, health and physicality uh, realities but f- kind of from a uh, christian worldview and kind of from a biblical worldview pers- perspective yeah uh, that's another thing out there restoring human um but yeah that the new city stuff i mean my here's here's the nice thing about having the name Jarek bakken um is i always have my first name last name as my handle on every every platform out there yeah and my goal is that if there's ever a new platform out there, I want to try to get like first name alone, um, because it's not that hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, su- I'm successful with that on the, uh, the, I think it's the cash app. I have <laughs> just my first name on there. But
2: Score. <laughs> Well, Jarek, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate it very, very much.
1: Oh man, this is good. I love talking. If, if me anybody, too. If anybody else wants to sit and talk, I'm I'm all for it.
2: Thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Jarek. You can reach out to him um, and chat some more. I love his perspective and I love the way that his family is defining their own needs and setting their own tone. So that's the challenge for the week is figure out how to set the tone. For yourself. Thanks so much for listening to On a Mother Level. It is my pleasure to bring you this episode and to keep producing content that I hope is uniquely me and that resonates with you in whatever way. Because, above all, when it comes to parenthood, we can relate. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.